There we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Malice Divine. They've got a new album called Malice Divine, which was released on uh, February 19th, 2021. That's actually the birth date of one of my ex-girlfriends. As soon as I saw that, I was like, ah. Um, but I mean, no, nothing for you. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm being joined by Rick. And Rick's going to share some more information about what he's got going on with all this malicious divinity and malice divine and divine malice. That's actually an interesting question. We might start there. But first, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great to chat with a fellow Canuck. You know, it doesn't really happen too terribly often. Oh, really? Well, I shouldn't say that. It does. Just I've got eight interviews today. You are like interview number six or something, and uh, it's been everywhere else in the world. I just finished chatting with Portugal, and it was Finland earlier, and the UK. So it's just nice, you know, to chat with another person who likes red flannel and wood cutting and chasing beavers. Yeah, exactly. You know, all that real Canadian stuff. You know, yeah, harvesting maple syrup. It's good stuff. Speaking exactly. of, speaking of good stuff, let's talk about Malice Divine. There's a lot of Malice Divine going on because it's the name of the project. It's the name of the album. And then there's even a song where you're like, man, I can't have it a third time. But you could have. Yeah, I could have. But um, <laughs> I just decided to go with something a little bit different for the third time around, you know? Yeah. So I guess maybe my first question is take us through the concept of Malice Divine because it's, it, it just screams out. It jumps out to me. Um, is it, is there like a concept to the record, to the project, uh, where that just had to be so prominent? I wouldn't say necessarily like there is like a certain like, um, theme overall, like for the project, essentially, which is a mean, just a means for me to just be able to express, you know, my own personal like feelings and thoughts and stuff like that really. I wouldn't necessarily say there was, you know, a particular, like, you know, theme or topic for the overall project. Okay. Expressing your thoughts and your feelings. Take us through that. What are some of the thoughts and feelings that you are currently expressing on this album? Well, you know, just uh, going through, like, a lot of um, things that were, you know, like, pretty traumatic in my personal life, you know. It's, it's able it gives me the opportunity to express like, you know, how I felt like a lot of anger and a lot of sadness regarding, you know, certain circumstances I had to go through my personal life. So, you know, it's a very uh, personal, you know, kind of thing for me. Mm -hmm. How much can we touch on things, Rick? I just want to know how handcuffed I am right now in this interview. <laughs> well, is this like 2020? I don't like 2020 and like actually more so before that, you know, just like, you know, experiences I had dealing with, you know, like um, people used to be in my life, you know, friends, stuff like that, even like ex-bandmates, you know, and all the uh, unfortunate circumstances that I you know, went through back then. Mm hmm. OK, because yeah. these are some pretty impressive song titles. I have to get a dictionary. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, one well, I mean, well, take, take us through some of this stuff. So, Somnium Lucidus. Take us through. Yeah, that's the. Uh, 
That's the uh, Latin translation for a lucid dream. Okay. Yeah. So does it feel like those days back then were a lucid dream? Not really, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was like a lucid dream. Because it kind of seems to follow a pattern, maybe. Song one is a lucid dream, but then the last song is you transcend isolation. So is there is there an arc? Is there a story? Or am I just making this up right now on the spot? I think you're making this up on the spot because when I was, like, writing the lyrics, I didn't, like, have, like, a story in mind, like, at all for, like, the arc of the album. Mm -hmm. I just had, you know, particular, like, themes that I was interested in, and I felt like, you know, dedicating, like, one particular song to a certain theme. There wasn't so much, like, any intention to, like, you know, like you said, to have, like, a certain, like, arc of a theme go throughout the entire album. Okay. Because it's a pretty ominous artwork. I'm just curious i figured that there there would be but that's okay um i'm seeing inspired by psychology spirituality divination that's kind of an interesting topic psychology spirituality and divination in my head i'm thinking i should ask rick what the difference is between spirituality and divination and i kind of already know the answer but it just seems like an interesting question but it's an interesting question you have to get back to me sometime because um, I guess with uh, divination, it's more so um, really coming to terms with like, you know, a divine sort of being, whatever that could be for you. It's a pretty subjective thing. And with spirituality, you know, it's, I think that's more so like an internal kind of experience, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And then with the psychology, does that make all of that a psychological construct? Well, with the psychology thing, it's more so like, um, I guess, looking into like my own, like uh, my own mind and, you know, why, you know, certain things you impacted me uh, the way that they did in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more so like a means just like look inside of myself, really, like I mentioned before. Yeah. So was this a catharsis? Yeah, very much so a catharsis for sure. Definitely. Okay. Very cool. Is there anything about the record in particular that you wanted to, to chat about or for me to address? Okay, this is a solo project, right? Yeah, it's a solo project. Um, Do you Is there a particular instrument that you consider yourself to be, how do I want to put it, grounded in? Like are you a guitar player who just – was looking at it as a guitar player, then then added drums and, and uh, keys and vocals? Or Yeah, yeah gu guitar is definitely my main instrument for sure. It's definitely the one that I put the most time and effort into. So I do consider myself to be primarily a guitar player. But like I do obviously play bass and I do vocal suits. That's what I also did on the record as well. I do play a bit of keyboards, a little bit of drums. But guitar is definitely like my main instrument and the instrument that I wrote pretty much all the songs on. Okay. I'm trying to formulate a question based on, is it a guitar album or did you take, put more effort into maybe some of the other instruments? Cause like you're sitting next to a piano. So I imagine then that you are a proficient piano player. I wouldn't say proficient. Like uh, I've dabbled a little bit in piano 
definitely not nearly as competent at it as I am at a guitar. But yeah, I do play a bit of piano too. Okay. Then coming from a guitar player standpoint, I guess, was there something that you were looking to do with regard to the record? Yeah, I was trying to um, incorporate as many different um, influences as I possibly could, guitar-wise. You know, obviously, there's like a lot of black metal in there and other, you know, forms of extreme metal like death metal and thrash and stuff like that. But I also incorporated a decent amount of classical guitar playing as well into the record. Because like I did go to um, university and I did um, study classical guitar as a music major in university, so I like to be able to incorporate that kind of stuff into my own music. Mm-hmm. So your right hand fingernails are long. Yeah, they are definitely longer than uh, the left ones. <laughs> That's well, for sure. Did you use finger picks or did you use fingernails? Do you have like a an ethos on on that? An opinion? Well, for like all. For all the acoustic stuff, um, I did um, fingers because I was playing a nylon string guitar. Mm-hmm. I just prefer the sound, personally, of like a nylon string and the finger style. I don't think that's something you really hear too much in metal music. No, no. So is that why you wanted to bring it in there or was it just something because... Yeah, I wanted... Yeah, I wanted to incorporate something like at least like a little bit different because like I said before, you don't really hear a lot of like you know finger style nylon string guitar playing and, and metal very often no you should do a flamenco breakdown is what you should do i think maybe one day you know i think it'd be pretty cool yeah do some definitely je- very unique, you know not many bands have done that like, at all i can't really think of any that's on that no so yeah why not yeah yeah not flamenco or anything but i mean um i don't know if you have nylon string i'm thinking of like blind guardian maybe or uh you know, some of those other bands that do a lot of symphonic stuff will have some some guitar yeah. parts or whatever. But yeah, but it's usually like more like steel string. I find whenever it's incorporated into metal, which is cool and all. But I find that the nylon string has um, I don't know a subtly different kind of sound that I prefer. Mm-hmm. Is that what attracted you to doing a degree in um, classical guitar? Yeah, because um, I always. Uh, even before I really got into classical guitar playing, like I was really intrigued by the style and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just thought it'd be like a really cool thing for me to get into, to, you know, expand my horizons as a guitar player as, and as a musician in general, and to be able to incorporate, you know, something a little bit different into, into metal music. Mm-hmm. Did you find that it was difficult to incorporate it into metal music? Like, did you sit down and go, this doesn't really work or did you find it was easy? I wouldn't say like it was necessarily difficult, but it wasn't like, I wouldn't say it was like super easy either, kind of somewhere in the middle. Because obviously you need some, you know, fit into the context of the song. Mm-hmm. And that's like why, like, not every song on the album has it. There's only like five songs out of nine that has like an Alice string guitar. So like if there's a, a place in the song where I think it would fit, then, you know, I'm definitely going to go for it. But at the end of the day, it's really all about serving the song, whatever, you know, a certain thing is called for in a song. Yeah. Is that like an emotion that you're looking to create? How, how do you uh, process that the song needs that part? Well, it depends on, like, the amount of dynamics I'm going for, what kind of dynamic I'm going for, like, 
for a particular part of a song. For example, if I want to go for something a little bit more somber or a little bit more, I guess a bit more melancholic or even just like a softer dynamic in general, mm-hmm. then I think it'll be a great thing to incorporate into the song. Okay. You do some chamber dances. You can incorporate some like Baroque chamber dances into it. Yeah, why not? You know, Baroque music is pretty damn cool. So there's definitely a way to find it into the music somehow. Yeah. Did you, was there a particular era that uh, was more your jam, quite literally, uh, like the romance period or the Baroque period? I really like the stuff from like the the Baroque period, you know, like stuff like uh, Bach and Handel and stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Get some trills in there. Yeah, some trills, you know, and some harmonic minor kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's definitely all of my music, you know, harmonic minor scale. Mm-hmm. A lot of exotic scales in general are in my music. Okay. Why is that, I guess, is a good question. Why is that? Yeah, the harmonic minor, or is is it Phrygian dominant? Is that what it is in the mode? Yeah, one, well, well, yeah, Phrygian dominant is a mode of harmonic minor. Well, it depends on like all like what kind of sound you're going for, because like with harmonic minor, preaching dominant, and stuff like that, those are very uh, great scales to conjure up a dark sort of vibe, you know. Or like if you want to go a bit more, even more exotic, then you know, preaching dominant would be the right path to go down. So I like to think of like scales as like um, tools for like creating a certain type of atmosphere certain type of tonality that I want out of the music that I write. Mm -hmm. And do you feel that the degree from university helped you in that venture? Well, a little bit. I wouldn't really say like necessarily that, but like, cause I was already, you know, like studying like, you know, scales and music theory, like on my own, even before I started the degree. But, you know, it definitely, like, opened up, like, my mind to, like, you know, different types of music and different, you know, possibilities for, like, my own music in the future. So I'd say that's how, like, my degree in music, like, really helped me as a songwriter. Okay. Very cool. Now, it looks like a combo amp behind you that's mic'd up, unless I'm making that up. Is that the rig that we're hearing on the record? Oh, no, not at all. It's just, like, um, an old Line 6 I've had for years. Right now, it's just kind of sitting there. It's not even working anymore. And uh, just a mic stand that I use for like recording vocals sometimes. It's not even like there's no like mic or anything like hooked up to it right now or anything. Okay. All right. What a shock. A Line 6 amp isn't working. Um. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, no wonder they get, you know, like such a bad reputation. <laughs> You know, when they when they nail it, they they flip and nail it like the pod. That thing took over the industry for like ten years. Um, but when they're not nailing it, amps are lighting on fire. It's uh, interesting, interesting dichotomy. Yeah, like, I remember those things. The pods from like back in the day when I first started playing guitar, like years ago. Like they were pretty popular back then, like in two thousand four, two thousand five, or something like that. You know. So yeah. I didn't really mind the Lightstick sound like as a beginner. You know, it's actually pretty decent sounding for like a low volume combo amp for like practicing on your own. But anything other than that, like I wouldn't go for line six personally. Okay. Groovy. Did you go to a studio to record the record or did you do it where you're sitting right now? Oh yeah, I went to um, a studio to record it. 
Okay. During lockdown? Well, I started recording the album before lockdown, about a year ago, actually, last January in, in uh, 2020. And then I spent uh, 2020 and February of last year recording all the rhythm guitar tracks. Mm-hmm. And then the lockdown happened, like in March, it really put a, like a hole to the whole recording process. Because after the rhythm, rhythm guitars were done, the plan was to get um, the drums recorded. And that didn't even happen until last June, actually. Oh, wow. So there was like about a four-month period of like no recording progress like at all mm-hmm. until June when the drums started getting tracked. But fortunately, after that, like everything picked up really fast. So like the week after drums were tracked, I went into the studio to record all the bass tracks in like two days. And then a couple of weeks after that, I recorded all the lead guitars and the solos. And then about a month after that, then I recorded all the vanilla string guitar and the vocals. So by like early September, then the whole album was tracked and ready to be mixed and mastered. Okay. Now, I was going to ask if you guys, if you started in January, then um, was it delayed because of 2020, but you went ahead and answered that question? Yeah, you know, it was delayed about because of like what happened in 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Unfortunately, but Now, but drum- unfortunately like we still managed to get it done. Yeah. Did you do the drums yourself? Did you hire somebody? Yeah, I hired um actually uh, a session drummer. This guy named uh, Dylan Gowan. He plays in a band called Vesperia, and he also has another band called I Am Mary. He's a really good um session drummer from the Toronto area. Okay. Have you worked with him before? How did you know to how did you know to hit him up? Actually, I did work with him briefly once before because uh, I was in a band called uh, Astroff Incarnate before I started doing Mouse of Iron. And there was this one time where we needed a fill-in drummer because our current drummer couldn't make it for whatever reason. So um, my vocalist at the time, he played in another band with Dylan. And that band was Iomir, the one I just mentioned before. And so um, I was really impressed by like how fast he was able to learn all the songs and how like our set was like extremely tight, even though we only had like one full band practice. So I already had a feeling, you know, when I was thinking about like drummers to get for the album, I already knew that like he would be like a big option for that. So I already so um, in uh, November of 2019, I posted up an ad on my Instagram and uh, Facebook about looking for a drummer for my uh, my new music project I was working on. And then he was one of the drummers that messaged me. And out of all of the uh, the drummers that messaged me, I liked him the best. So decided to go with him to get to uh, track the drums for the album. Now I'm curious, since he was a hired gun, did you program the drums and say play this, or did he come up with the drums? Did you find a happy medium? Yeah, I actually did write the drum parts in Guitar Pro. However, I did like um, leave him room to, you know for him to come up with his own ideas and to incorporate his own fills just to make it more realistic. Cause like, I'm not much of a drummer. I know enough about drums to be able to like write the drum parts, but like, I knew like having someone like Dylan board, he can make um, the drums like even better than um, what I originally wrote. And that's what he did. He even came up with um, a couple of cool uh, little um, drum patterns for the record that I initially didn't write. Okay. So I think, 
just having him on the album really, you know, made it even better, you know, because it was good to have, you know, someone else to, like, listen to my drum ideas and then to take those drum ideas and make them even better. Yeah. Nothing like a guitar player writing drum parts. Yeah, exactly. You know, or especially <laughs> if it's like a guitar player but like doesn't play drums at all, and then they write something that doesn't even make any sense. You know. Yeah. Like, what is it, Steve Vai writing drum parts for drummers who have five arms? You know. Yeah, or like eight arms or something. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, now I'm also looking at this uh, vocal and guitar playthrough for In Time. Um, it looks like a studio. Was that the studio that you had recorded everything at? Yeah, that was the studio where the whole album was tracked. Okay, and you just said, give me five minutes alone. Pantera reference. Uh, just give me five minutes alone so I can record this video, and, and they were cool with it. They put the, they, they dimmed the lights and everything. Yeah, you know, they did the lights, you know, <laughs> gave it like a nice like blue tint, you know, which I think uh, really fits the color scheme of the album cover. It does. Quite a bit. Yeah, it does. You thought this through in time. Two questions about that. First question is, what is in time about? And the second question is, <clears throat> what was it about the track out of the, the nine on the album where you said this needs to be a single and released with a playthrough video? Okay, well. The meaning behind in time is, in a nutshell, is uh, proving your haters and your doubters wrong. What? You got yeah. haters? That means you're going somewhere. Well, yeah, I've had a couple. I've had a couple in the past, you know, and I've had people, you know, who um, who did some shit talking and stuff like that. So Whoa. it's a pretty, it's pretty much a song saying, like, you know what, like you're wrong about me and in time. Pun intended, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to show you that I'm a lot better than you think I am. Whoa. That's essentially what the song is about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, yeah. line, that line six and, amp is going to do the same thing, baby. It's going to be like, I could be a helix. I could be. And for <laughs> like, um, the other part of the question was like, why it chose that to be a first single, right? Mm-hmm. I reason why I chose that to be the first single is because I feel like that song really in particular encompasses like the different like aspects of the mouse of mine sound. Like it's a very diverse song, I think, you know, there's a lot of like it ranges from black metal screeches to death metal growls, there's some pretty tactical riffing, some pretty crazy and melodic solos and ends off with the classic guitar at the end. So mm-hmm. I think I just I chose it because of how diverse it is. You know, I think it was a, a good song to, you know, capture people's attention by like just the sheer diversity that's going on in just one song. Yeah, and something else you mentioned there was the Malice Divine sound. At what point did you hit that where you said, This is something I need to turn into a project and then made nine songs to have a sound? Well, this has been something I've been working on for a long time since, like, let me think. I think, like, sometime in 2018 is when I really decided, like, this has to, like, become a project. And, like, since I was, you know, busy with, like, um, school and my other band at the time and working part-time as a guitar teacher, like, it was a pretty slow process to get everything together. But I would say, like, sometime in 2018 was when I really thought to myself, like, 
yeah, these song ideas are like different from like what I was doing in my other band. Like it was something that I really need to put together into an album because I really thought and believe I had something special there. Hmm. Was there a song on the record that maybe started all of it, or was this kind of all in pieces and it came together almost simultaneously? I'd say like it came in pieces more so simultaneously. Because I can't really pinpoint like one song that was like, okay, this is like the first Malice of Mine song because I was writing like a lot of different songs. I had like a lot of different like song ideas on the go at one time. So I would say it was kind of a process where like, you know, all of these songs were starting to blossom together at once. So it's really hard to pinpoint like one particular song that really started at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like, I don't know. You came up with in time first and thought, hold on a second, this could be something, and then you know went from there. Yeah. Okay. Groovy. Well, Rick, that concludes my questions. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to chat about? No, not really. I think that covers everything, really. Okay. Very cool stuff there, my good man. Well, then, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. No problem, John. No problem at all.